You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Okay, John Edwards is a scumbag. I don't want to defend John Edwards, but I feel I must speak in defense of other men who've cheated on their wives who have cancer. <laughs> I'm carving out a unique position here and I'm not making light of cancer or terminal illnesses or what St. Elizabeth Edwards has been going through. Uh, and John Edwards is clearly a cat and an asshole who ran roughshod over you know his family and his staff and Riley Hunter and was just a piece of shit, right? John Edwards, we are casting aside. But in general, like generally, uh, I was just on Joy Bahar's show on CNN the other day and the subject of, you know, John, we're talking about Jen Edwards and just men who've cheated on their wives who have cancer were dismissed out of hand. You know, there's a point in a long-term relationship uh, when, if you know, your partner, if they have a terminal illness, where you really shift from spouse and lover to nurse and caretaker. And that can, in some relationships last for five years, 10 years, decades. Uh, I know a person who slept with a man who was cheating on his wife. His wife was an invalid and he had stayed with her for 20 years uh, and she was completely bedridden and not really interested in sex. And one of the ways he was able to stay with her and be her loving, caring, attentive spouse was to, on the sly, get some of his sexual needs met so he would not go fucking bonkers insane. And I want to know what people would advise that guy, all these people who say that if you're going to cheat on your wife, you must get divorced, you must leave her first, that that is the only ethical response. What they would have said to this man and his wife, who was bedridden and an invalid, that he should never have sex ever again, 20 years, 30 years, or he should have to have left her, that was the only ethical response, or in that instance, was it ethical for him to commit adultery and stay by his wife's side thanks to the adultery that he committed because that kept him sane because he was able to get his needs met in a way that didn't take anything away from her and she never found out about didn't hurt her and stay by her side so you know guys who've cheated on their wives who have cancer maybe 80 percent of them are shits maybe 90 percent of them are shits newt gingrich he did the right thing remember he g- delivered his divorce papers to his wife in the hospital where she was being treated for cancer. He was the good guy, right? In this don't cheat on your wife with cancer meme argument. It's just not that cut and dried. Sometimes circumstances require certain allowances to be made and situational ethics isn't always an epitaph. Sometimes it is the right thing to do. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item plus three adult DVDs plus an extra gift plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. I'm calling in regards to a little situation I have going on. I'm a 38-year-old female. And a few years ago, my husband and I experimented with uh, swinging in an open marriage. During that time, I fooled around with a married male neighbor And for my husband and I, these were just extramarital activities that were always recreational. But um, after a while, it became clear that for my neighbor, our hookups meant a lot more. 
My neighbor became more and more obsessive about our friendship and hookups, and after about a year, I broke it off. But we remained friendly with each other. However, he couldn't just handle being just friends and continually tried to persuade me into a romantic relationship. Then, um, one day walking home from the bus stop with my children, he confronted me. At which time, after my children were out of earshot, I told him to stop contacting me and all and that my husband was fully aware of what had happened. And he, um, my neighbor, became very angry and for a while had completely stopped contacting me. However, I'm sad to say that he has once again resumed contacting me through emails and text messages and I am at my wit's end. Um, I prefer not to change my email or phone number, but I'm not sure what else to do. I'm not sure if he's doing anything illegal. Um, I'm not sure if I should contact the police. And just shy of um, telling his wife and uh, forwarding the emails that he has been sending me, um, because I don't want to look like the neighborhood tramp since, um, you know, we all live in a neighborhood together and I work part-time in my children's elementary school. I'm not exactly sure what else to do. It's quite a situation you've gotten yourself into. Um, good object lesson for people who are considering uh, opening up their marriages or having an open relationship or finding a little lot on the side. You might want to go further afield than the next door neighbor, than directly across the street. Because if things get ugly or end badly or the other person doesn't take shut up now and go away for an answer when you decide it's over, you're going to have to look at that person every day and – some people are douchebag asshole stalker shit fucks and you don't want them living across the street from you or having their children in the same school as your children. But that's a lesson for others. The pickle you're in, when you say that you told him that your husband was aware of the affair that you had, it made me think it sounded like your husband – he wasn't aware that your husband was aware at the time you were having the affair. And so he thought perhaps you were both cheating and in the same boat, and you weren't. That's something that he should have been made aware of at the time that the affair was going on. You know, open relationships require not just openness between the spouses, but openness and honesty with the people that you're fucking around with on the side. Um, that's just a caveat. It doesn't nothing really to do with the predicament you're in. He's kind of holding you hostage because he knows intuitively that you don't want to be outed as the neighborhood slut, as the woman who fucked some other a woman's husband on the block and so he is kind of with impunity harassing you and stalking you uh, knowing that you're going to feel inhibited about doing what really you must do now if you give him one more warning and say leave me the fuck alone knock it the fuck off no more calls no more emails or I'm going to the police and I'm going to get a restraining order and I'm going to report you for stalking behavior and you need to start documenting everything. Start recording all – leak, save his messages, save his emails and say you're going to take this all to the police and when I get a restraining order against you, your wife will find out. There's no way that she won't. This is really kind of a dangerous situation because he may react with violence if he feels threatened about his wife finding out. So you really need to – Tread carefully. If you think he's capable of violence, don't threaten to go to the police. Just go to the police. You don't want to put it in his head that he can prevent his wife from finding out by preventing you from going to the police, by preventing you from continuing to exist. One way or another, though, you're just going to have to let the shit hit the fan. It is kind of the only way out uh, is to push the nuclear button 
tell his wife or go to the police and his wife is going to find out if he doesn't cease and desist immediately. You can also, I think, have your husband talk to him man to man about your relationship and about his inappropriate behavior and come to your defense a bit. You shouldn't have to be shouldering this on your own. The open relationship wasn't your idea. It was something you guys did together and it's kind of arrived at a bad spot and the both of you together need to dig yourself out. Hey, Dan. Um, I am a 22 year old, at least like 92% straight male. So pretty darn straight. And, um, I, I work with, with the elderly. I take care of people 55 plus in home. Now, one of my clients, my newest client, my client I met today, we went to, we went to, uh, the grocery store and when we got back, he said that instead of saying goodbye with a handshake, we must do it with a hug. I was fine with this. We hugged on the way out. He said, oh, I should let you know something about me. And we hugged again. He said, I'm by. And I was like, ah, ha, ha. Yeah, geez, dude, it's 2010. Who the fuck isn't? And he laughed and I laughed. And he was like, no, seriously, if your fiance is ever not putting out, I give you a great blowjob. And he said, he'd pay me for that. And well, like, I need the money. I figure that's where most of these dilemmas arise. I guess where I think this diverges from your usual, your usual fare is um, where does this border on elder abuse and how can I not be busted for prostitution? Because I went over there for my job and, I mean, I, I don't want to get a blowjob from this guy for pay, but I figure since I'll be going over there for my job, there'll be significant room for negotiation. I can be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll jerk off in front of you for X. Hey, I, I'd jerk off in front of anything for any amount of money. You know, I want to tell you that you should, of course, shouldn't do this, and you're putting your job at risk, and you can wind up with a criminal record. And on the other hand, I'm, you know, imagining one day when I'm 70 and I have a hot buy in-home aid uh, and, you know, a little bit of money in the bank that I might want to be in the other guy's shoes and I might not want to discourage all the hot young buy uh, home health care aides from beating off uh, in front of their clients for money, just in case I'm ever in a situation where I might want to be that client. Uh, but, you know, officially I have to tell you that you shouldn't do this and this is wrong. Um and obviously this client is acting out in inappropriate ways. If at your first meeting, your first interaction, he's hugging you uh, in a manipulative way. It was clearly a manipulative hug, draw you into a hug and then tell you he's by uh, and then hit on you. He might not be the stablest guy if you decide to do this. And I'm, of course, advising you not to do it. But if you decide to do this, this should be something that you do a ways out. This should be something that perhaps you do after you've been helping this guy out, working for this guy for a long time, and you have a much better sense of his finances so that you're not taking advantage of him economically, that you have a much better sense of his sanity, that he's not uh, losing it a bit and acting out in inappropriate ways. Uh, and that you have a much better sense of him as a person and you establish a friendship. And at that point, I would advise you to stop seeing him as a home health care aide and a client and start seeing some other people take on some other clients. I'm sure you can shift to other clients and then perhaps see him in your new role as a sex worker. 
and really separate out your roles. No more home health care aid work for him, just a little jerk for him for the extra money and you pick up some other home health care aid clients who aren't so forward. But officially, you know, and legally, yeah, legally you're running a real risk here. You know, he may blow you four or five times and pay you and not be discreet and his children could find out if he has children and you could wind up arrested and you could wind up charged with elder abuse, particularly if he's losing it a bit upstairs. La, la, la. You're running a real risk here. Uh, so long as there's overlap between your roles as home health care aide and benevolent sex worker. Make this Valentine's Day one that you'll both never forget with this offer from AdamandEve.com. Through Valentine's Day, you will receive 50% off just about any item. Go to AdamandEve.com to find thousands of adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and DVDs. And there's more. With every order, you'll receive their romance kit free, including a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something you'll both enjoy. Plus a free adult DVD to put you in the mood and... That's not all. They will also throw in free shipping on your entire order. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's Day offer. Good through February 14th only. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and a free shipping. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's offer. Good through February 14th only. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and free shipping when you enter offer code SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G-E. Uh, hey, Dan. Um, I am a uh, 40-year-old professional uh, straight uh, man, and um, it's been hard to find the right woman to share my life with in a long-term relationship. Uh, pretty normal guy, uh, uh, pretty good guy. Um, recently, though, you know, I'm thinking, you know, while I'm uh, waiting to find Miss Wright, I have developed a, a desire to sort of play around with and have uh, a, a woman's used panties. Thought it'd be pretty exciting, and so I placed an ad um, in a local uh, underground newspaper. That's not so underground. Um, a nice woman replied, and uh, we worked it out by email. We got to know each other a little bit by email. Uh, we met for lunch today uh, for the exchange, and uh, it was very pleasant. We really have a lot in common. Um, I kind of like her, and um, and I was wondering. What do you think the chances are of uh, of asking her out beyond buying her panties? And uh, and if you think there's any chance there, you know, considering how we met, should I you know keep anything in mind or or approach that a certain way? So I listened to your message, and I wanted to call you to you know just to tell you that I, of course you should ask her out if you felt there was some rapport there. You shouldn't be ashamed. Um, and you know when it comes to romance, you need to seize every opportunity uh, to respectfully ask someone out. You need, to, you need to know going in, though, that she's kind of like a barista. Yes. Right? Yes. You have an economic relationship. She hopes to sell you something. Of course, she's going to be polite and deferential and ingratiating. So she may be giving, sending off signals that you're misreading because of the economic thing. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there who've married the barista that they asked out. Yeah, you know, I had that thought. I don't think I'll be a very entertaining call for you to use now, by the way, because of an update. So I, I did I did just what you're suggesting. You know, I went for it because that's what you've got to do uh, in romance and life. And um, she was quite open to it, actually. She uh, she replied and said, you know, I'd love to go on a real date with you. And um, But since then, there's been no contact at all. So I think she was really just trying to let me down easy, and and, uh, and it actually helped. So How long you know, I don't has think... it been since she said she'd love to go on a real date and then no more? 
About a week. I'd say about a week. And how many times so. have you tried to contact her since then? Oh, just once. Uh, but you know, I don't want to keep contacting her and banging her door down. And, and uh, yeah, I figured I'd better give her a chance to get back to me if she wanted to. Okay, I think you can send one safely send one more email saying, I don't want to, you know, feel like I'm harassing you. If you were sincere, get in touch. If not, it was very nice to meet you, and thanks for the panties. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I'll give it a try. <laughs> I think it's probably an occupational hazard for her because she's really good at it. She's friendly, and, and so maybe, you know, maybe you misread that once in a while, I think. Right, and sometimes women are, you know, socialized to be deferential. Never, A lot of women are to never say no yeah. and to give noncommittal responses and to, you know, say yes to a date and then just not make themselves available for that date. That can drive men crazy. Uh, and seem rude, but it is part of, you know, she's not totally responsible if that's exactly what she's giving you because she's been socialized that way. But, you know, in the future, when you meet somebody and you feel like there might be a spark, just ask them out. You sound like a really articulate, polite guy, and I don't think you come across as a creep, at least on the phone. You know, maybe <laughs> three eyes and blue horns and you're a creepy person, I don't know. But sure. If you keep this up, you know, eventually you'll hit the jackpot. Yeah, I agree. Thanks. I appreciate that, and I'll give it another shot and see what happens. Okay, thanks. Just a general word about sleazy meetings and unlikely hookups and long-term relationships. You know, a lot of people would react, say, you know, why would she want to go out with this creep who is buying women's panties on the Internet? Well, the flip side is also true. Why would he want to go out with this creep who's selling her panties on the Internet? Sometimes people come together in a circumstance that can seem tawdry and unseemly, and we shouldn't assume that because a guy is buying panties, he's not a decent guy or that there's anything necessarily indecent about buying someone's dirty panties. And he shouldn't assume that she's not also a decent person. I hear sometimes some people who had a one-night stand and say, I kind of like them and I might ask them out, but I feel weird because you know, the sex was really sleazy and you know, what kind of person is that person that I had that one-night stand with if they would have that kind of one-night stand with me? That's crazy. You were capable of that sleazy one-night stand, and you're a good and decent person worthy of love and romance and dating and marriage. So you should at least give that other person the benefit of the doubt that they might be, despite or because of the one-night stand, also worthy of your love and affection and time and attention. Hey, I'm a gay guy who lives down here in Texas, and I keep that I'm gay a secret for most everyone except some of my friends that are girls. And uh, I don't really know how to date. Uh, I know some guys that don't like people that are in the closet, but there are some people that do, but I don't know how to find out if they're gay. You know, I'm not usually into the flamboyant ones. I'm into the straight acting ones, so it even makes it even harder not, act, not saying, saying I'm gay, plus not acting gay. It's hard, near to impossible to date and be closeted. You can hook up and be closeted. You can go to Craigslist and Dudes Nude and a million other Adam for Adam, million other fucking websites out there and find lots of guys like you, guys who are gay and want the cock and don't want any of their friends to know because pick your excuse. I live in Texas. My parents are really religious. I'm a chicken shit, scaredy cat, douchebag, whatever your excuse might be. There's a lot of guys out there who are looking for cock who have similar excuses and you should go fuck them. But you're only going to be able to hook up with them, really. Maybe, you know, lightning will strike and you'll meet a simpatico closet case who you can secretly date and hang out with and look like buddies to the whole world when you're actually butt buddies in private. But a relationship outs you. 
A relationship is a public thing. That's, you know, this bullshit that uh, people who don't like gay people are always saying about, oh, why do you have to shove it down our faces? Why do you have to get married? Why do you have, why can't you keep it in the bedroom? Well, straight people don't keep it in the bedroom either. Straight people get married. Straight people put pictures of their partners on their desks at work. Straight people talk about what they did with their girlfriend or their boyfriend this weekend. Straight people shove it down our throats all the time, right? That's the problem for you so long as you remain closeted. You can never really have a relationship in any sort of normal way so long as you're trying to keep the news from all your friends and family and acquaintances that you're a cocksucker. So either come the fuck out and if you need to move the fuck away from Texas to come the fuck out, then move the fuck away from Texas and get the fuck away from your family or whoever it is and whatever it is that's preventing you from living with some integrity or hook up, suck off other guys in your same condition and shut the fuck up. Don't whine about it because that's the choice you've made. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm 16 years old and I just kind of started being like sexually active. Um, I've only really given like two guys head and I just kind of find out like that. They both said I'm really bad at it. Like apparently I like use my teeth too much or something, but I didn't even know I was using my teeth and, I realize maybe it just takes practice or something, but I kind of don't want to have that reputation of getting really bad head. So um, if you could help me, just any great advice or something, that'd be great. The oral sex section in the book, Sex Tips for Straight Women from a Gay Man by Dan Anderson and Maggie Berman are pretty good. You just need more practice. Like you said, you need more practice. It takes time. And you know what? There's some guys out there who like teeth. There are also guys out there who don't like blowjobs and the whole the, the culture insists, you know, boys are told and movies make it look like oral sex is this, you know, magic sparkle explosion that you just need to put a dick in a mouth and you're going to blow your load because the sensations are so intense, right? And it's not really like that. So a lot of guys when they get their first blowjobs, particularly if you're blowing, you know, if you're blowing guys around your own age, which I hope you are, are a little experience a little bit of a letdown because the blowjobs don't look like they looked in the teen sex comedies. They, you know, don't turn you inside out, just a tongue touching your dick. Doesn't make you explode. They could be blaming you for blowjobs not seeming, you know, not being what they expected them to be. And they may be saying, well, it must be this blowjob I'm getting from you and not that I've been misled about blowjobs generally. Here's what you do, though. Some blowjob tips for the youngsters. Wrap a fist around the base of it so it doesn't go all the way in your mouth uh, and move that fist up and down. Get that fist really, really wet. Don't be afraid to slog. get slobber everywhere. There is no feminine, delicate, ladylike way to get your face fucked, which is really what's going on, right? He's fucking your face. The, the women out there say, I'm fine with giving blowjobs so long as he doesn't fuck my face. Shouldn't give blowjobs because a dick is for fucking. And whatever you're putting your dick in, you're fucking. If he's putting it in your mouth, he's fucking your mouth, fucking your face. If he carves a hole in a watermelon, he's fucking the watermelon. You know, he's not gently making love to the watermelon with his penis. So it gets slobber everywhere, wrap a fist around the bottom of it, move the fist up and down. You know, you can take breaks and keep the hand moving up and down. Keep the wet, slobbery hand moving up and down while you lick his balls and chew on the underside of his shaft behind his balls and look up at him and smile and say, I love your cock. Like, you have, you can take little breathers. It doesn't, he gets to fuck your face, but he doesn't get to fuck your face nonstop uh, from insertion to explosion. You can take little breathers. And those are good. Some guys can only come during a blowjob if there are sort of intermissions, little moments where you shift from mouth to 
basically jacking him to hand jobbing him with a lot of slobber and then going back to mouth. Some guys require more of a hand job than a blow job. It's like a, a mouth assisted hand job is what gets them off and you have to experiment with them. Uh, you do need to learn to hold your <laughs> jaws open wide enough that your teeth aren't scraping the dick. Their job in the moment is to give you feedback. If you're doing something wrong, if there's something that works particularly for them, you need to encourage them to tell you and they should have the cojones to tell you as it's going on. If the teeth are scraping, they should say, whoa, watch the teeth a little bit. Can you – you need to communicate with the person that you're blowing and vice versa. And yes, it is okay during a blowjob to talk with your mouth full. Hi, Dan. Um, I was just listening to uh, people talking about throwing up while giving head, and I just wanted to say that that's happened to me before, and like you said, it's really not a big deal, and if you're awesome, I guess like I am, you take it like a fucking champ, and when you throw up on some dude's cock, you just pull off, keep it in your mouth, swallow it, and go back in, because that's what I did, and I don't think he even noticed. So that's what the pros do. I'm not a pro. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but if, if it's mostly liquid, that's what I did. It worked fine. And I suggest that. That overused catchphrase that everyone was tossing out a little while ago to communicate, discuss, oh, I think I just spit up in my mouth a little. That's what I think you're referring to here, you know, and, and that, you know, the pros do when you, you know, you're on the bus and there's no dick in your mouth and something happens or you, you, you know, you have indigestion, you burp funny and you throw up in your mouth a little. What do you do? Do you spit it on the floor? No, you kind of swallow it. That's not being a pro. That's just being polite. Same thing goes for a blowjob when you spit up in your mouth a little. No one's talking about if a dick triggers your gag reflex and up comes spaghetti and meatballs and four pieces of garlic bread and a piece of key lime cheesecake that you have to wolf all that back down, right? You don't. In those instances, you apologize, you grab a towel, you jump in the shower, and you resolve never to give a blowjob on quite so full of stomach ever again. But when you spit up in your mouth a little, on the bus, in class, at dinner, at the movies, with a dick in your mouth, you do what people do. You swallow and go on. Hey, Dan, how you doing, buddy? It's Michael here in the Midwest. I have a question to ask you. I, about a couple months ago, uh, got rimmed by a guy. It was hot. It was amazing. And even today, two months later, when I shit or when I poop, I feel like I feel like I can smell him, like I can smell his, like his breath, or I feel like I can smell like his scent. And so I wanted to know if I'm just kidding myself or if it's actually possible to somehow still smell someone, you know, when you're using the bathroom. Like I don't know if it's some sort of like flora, fauna thing and his tongue or something, but it's really hot. I love it, and I don't want to get rid of it. <laughs> but I think it's amazing that I feel like I can still smell it. So just wanted to know uh, what your feelings are about that. Thanks, bud, and love your show. Was he rimming you in a septic tank where you attach some sort of sense memory between the smell of shit or the smell of your own shit and the sensation of being rimmed by this guy? I hope not. Uh, it's not much of a compliment to say every time I smell my own shit or pass gas, I think of you. I can smell you. It, it reminds me of when you ate my ass. 
most people who eat ass or have their asses eaten want to disassociate the experience as much as possible from uh, defecation. Perhaps you have a crossed wire, a crossed synapse. There's something about the attention you must pay to your butt in that moment that brings back all these fond memories of this dude eating your ass. I, I, I'm, st- I, I'm spinning my wheels here because I don't know why this is happening. Uh, this has never happened to me. Uh, and hopefully it will never happen to you again. It's hardly a compliment, really. You ate my ass. It was wonderful. Now every time I take a dump, I think of you. Like, come on. If this guy hears this show and hears your voice, I don't think I'll be eating your ass again. Hey, Dan, I'm calling regarding episode 168, uh, where a caller called uh, talking about her boyfriend who would initiate sex uh, in his sleep. And you said that there is no cure. I actually wanted to add that uh, abnormal sleep sex has a cure. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, there is a, a product called uh, clonazepam or clonopin, which has been 90% effective in controlling sleep sex. And in case they're interested, there is also a book that uh, I would like to recommend to them, which is called Sleep, The Mysteries, The Problems, and The Solutions by Carlos H. Schenk. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Dan. This is Samantha. I was just listening to episode 165, and um, right in the beginning of the show, you made a comment about how um, Green Balloons, that that dude, and, um, you know, really, like, not fun sex for women um, is like how the Old Testament God, you know, wanted people to have it. And um, I just I just got real mad about that because, you know, I mean, the Old Testament, that's like, you know, the Torah and like, dude, Torah is like totally like all about women getting what they want. Like the men are like bound by law to like, Please, they're women, and women don't have to give anything back to men. It's one of the many reasons that I really love being Jewish. Um, actually, when you get married in the Jewish ceremony, the guy has to sign a document saying that he's going to please his woman, you know, actually, as part of their marriage. Um, and and there's different parts, I think it's in the oral Torah, that, that um, say how often a man has to have sex with his wife. Like, if he's unemployed, he's legally required to have sex with her every day. Um, if he's like a sailor, he wants to do it twice a year because, you know, he's probably going to be at sea a lot. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to let you know that, that, you know, maybe you meant like Christianity, Old Testament, because, you know, whatever, those, those people, I don't, I don't really know what their deal is, but I just want you to know that, you know, Jews, women, women, women get what they, get what they need, you know? But do Jewish guys get what they need? Not according to the Jewish comedians I've seen on late night TV. Uh, thank you very much for the call and the feedback. I'm sorry that I disparaged Judaism, that I painted it with this broad sex negative brush. But you know that shit about bringing forth children in pain for eating the apple, that's kind of from the old fucking testament. The stuff about if a woman isn't a virgin on her wedding night, she shall be put to death. It's from the Old Testament. It's not exactly, you know, Ms. Magazine and our bodies ourselves in the Old fucking Testament either. There is some stuff in there about how, you know, a man has to come through. That a woman has a right to a certain amount of uh, banging. And that's wise. And I'm all for that. Uh, and, and the sex negativity really goes off the wall in the New Testament in places uh, which urges people not even to marry and 
Uh, and certainly when Christianity, when Christians, crazy Christians, ran the world after the fall of Rome, they imposed much more uh, psycho bullshit, anti-female paranoia, horse hockey uh, than the Jews did uh, with their oral Torahs. But again, Susie Bright didn't exactly write the Old Fucking Testament, all right? Let's stop pretending that the Old Testament is some sort of bend-over boyfriend feminist equality tract when a lot of the sex negativity that flowed into Christian culture has its roots and its sites in the Old Testament. Now, we're not even going to talk about what the Old Testament has to say about me and the problems it's caused my kind for millennia. But thank you for your call, and I'm glad you're getting yours. And I hope your uh, Jewish husband, come the day that you marry, gets his too. One of the tech-savvy at-risk youth is a Jewess, and she's got to give me the stink eyes, so I'm, I'm almost afraid to wrap up the show for the tongue-lashing I'm going to get uh, once I conclude and say we're done, and, you know, then we have our post-show chat in the locker room while we all shower off. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. Please leave a callback number in case we want to chat with you in real time. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. And me and the furiously angry tech-savvy at Jewess Risk Youth. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening.